Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Inside Texas' X and O's expert, Ian Boyd. Uh, we try to visit with Ian at least once a week and talk about uh, topics uh, that I think people will uh, find interesting from an X's and O's perspective. Uh, but first, uh, before we get to that today, uh, I want to mention that uh, the Longhorns were at practice on Tuesday. A couple of key notes. Jonathan Brooks, the running back from Hallettsville, back at practice today. Uh, Jonathan's uh, father passed away last week, but uh, he is now, and he missed a couple of practices, understandably. He is now back at practice. Uh, also, Jaden Hullaby, uh, a linebacker from Mansfield Timberview, uh, has moved over to the offensive side of the ball at running back. Uh, the young man, it's his third year at Texas, uh, and we'll see uh, what Ian thinks about that move in just a second. And then Malik Murphy, uh, the talented true freshman quarterback uh, that was a mid-year enrollee, finally out of the boot and taking his first throws in an actual practice uh, with the Longhorns today. Uh, so, uh, a lot of stuff happening at, uh, on the campus today with uh, with practice going on. Joe Cook of Inside Texas was there. He'll have more reports on the site as well. Uh, but Ian, I want to ask you quickly, uh, before we go into our topic for the day, I want to ask you quickly about Jaden Hullaby and what you think his move uh, to running back means because the running back room ostensibly is full. I mean, it's it's pretty stacked right now when you look at B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson, a young guy like Jonathan Brooks, Keelan Robinson, and then even Jaden Blue, who I forgot to mention, uh, was sidelined today with a little bit of an injury, uh, the true freshman out of Klein. Why move Hullaby to, to offense, in your opinion? Well, you know, when they signed him, I thought he would end up at H-back for Tom Herman and play in that role. And I think that's his uh, destination here. I think that's what they're aiming for is to make him into a, uh, a running back for 20 personnel who can block. I believe he's listed right now at 6'2", 237 pounds. Um, that's a pretty big guy. That's not like a, it's not like, a, it's not like Texas is looking to get someone like that, the ball in space right now. You know, they don't have, they have plenty of other mouths to feed. So I think this is about, um, having another blocker to run 20 personnel in and maybe also potentially just for um, if, if theoretically, if you want to practice a lot of 20 personnel, then you need bodies to cycle through. And this may have just been a, Hey, if we had one more body on the running back side, it would help us to get all these reps we need in so that we can use Keelan Robinson, Jonathan Brooks, Jaden blue, Rashawn Johnson, Bijan Robinson, you know, Yep. So I, I, I suspect it's about having numbers to do what they want to do in offensive practice and then potentially developing him for uh, being a sort of running back fullback hybrid um, down the line, maybe next year. I don't know. Maybe this year if he's good. We'll see. Well, I, two things strike me right, when I first heard of the move. One was blocking, right? Uh, the second was this. I mean, here's a guy that played high school quarterback, 
So it's not like he's unfamiliar with the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but furthermore, you mentioned his size. And my immediate thought was, that sounds a lot like Jeremiah Hall at OU. That's That, that kind of um, played a little bit of both, you know. Uh, could, could line up at running back, but it was really an H-back, uh, lead blocker, uh, outlet receiver almost. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, with Riley's offense, they would they'd get those guys the ball downfield sometimes because they were, you know, you don't account for it. Hullaby uh, is probably the kind of guy that can do damage. If he's, good, if he's a good enough blocker to get on the field, he could probably do a lot of damage in that sort of outlet. You know, occasional fullback screen, um, play action, leak out down the field kind of deal. Guys that can run a little bit and catch the ball who are good blockers, there's always easy yardage to be picked up. Yeah, I would say that uh, invariably I always, when I think of a H-back catching the ball, it's either an Oklahoma guy out in the flat or a Kansas State or Nebraska fullback running downfield free. <laughs> free as a bird because no one's anywhere remotely close to him. But uh, interesting move by the Longhorns. Uh, I mentioned in a column today, this is the time of year where we start seeing that sort of thing, where we see this uh, uh, idea of uh, people moving around and uh, line uh, positions being changed out. Um, so for our uh, purpose today, though, the larger conversation I want to have with you is one that we haven't really dealt with much at all uh, in, you know, either at Onside Texas or, or in the film room here enough as we're talking about things. And that's uh, the relative lack of experience Texas has right now uh, on special teams. Uh, Texas loses some big pieces to the puzzle this year. We know Cameron Dicker is gone. He was 13 of 15 on field goals last year, but he was also a terrific punter in 2021. Um, you know, Texas has a lot of pieces uh, to change and, and fix, really. Uh, some things I'm going to go over some stats in a little bit. Any big picture thoughts for you as it relates to special teams before we get into the specifics? Um, big picture, I don't know. I looked up a bunch of stats. So I have a bunch of stats here we can get into in a minute on what they did last year, where they were good on special teams and where they weren't. It, it's like you said, the obvious one is they had a Dicker was a very solid kicker. Not maybe not as great as some other ones that Texas has had, but good. And then an amazing punter. So sometimes your special, if you lose kickers, your special teams can just take a nosedive if you don't replace them because that's such a big part of the numbers. So I'm curious to see how, uh, how you know, the, the million dollar man banks addresses it this year. Yeah, I think that's a good point. That's really what I want to go over. Uh, it, you know, not only personnel because uh, Texas has to move on from Cameron Dicker. They even have to move on from the deep snapper, Justin Mater. Uh, as well. Uh, the, the possibilities at kicker right now are Burt Auburn. Uh, he seems to be the guy leading in camp right now. He's a sophomore. Uh, un, uh, he was not offered a scholarship, so he's a walk-on. He did have a couple of D1 offers, including one from Texas State, um, but he's from Flower Mound. Will Stone, a left-footed kicker from Austin Regent School, is uh, due in at summertime. Uh, he, I think uh, of all the positions that I think most likely, I bet he handles the kickoff duties because he definitely has a stronger leg overall than Auburn. It looks like to me, just from, from scouting those two, uh, Stone was ranked the number three kicker in the country, uh, by Chris Saylor, 
but again, kicking in front of 100,000 is different than kicking in front of 1,000 or 1,500 at the Regent School. Um, the punter, take go for, for, um, for uh, Dicker there, will be Isaac Pearson. He's uh, another Pro Kick Australia product, uh, following in the footsteps of not only Ryan Bucheski, but also Michael Dixon, uh, the first real big success story for Texas from that program over there. And then also Texas uh, uh, brought in a deep snapper uh, as a uh, recruit, and that is Lance St. Louis uh, out of uh, Arizona. I do not know who the, the regular deep snapper is if St. Louis uh, doesn't win that job. But that's the personnel look at it. Um, let's talk about what happened last year, in your opinion versus what they should be doing next year, okay? Just from, from stats that I have um, and, and what Jeff Banks was able to do, uh, Ian. Uh, in 2021, let's just talk about punting, okay? Uh, because there's multiple aspects of it. But in punting, Texas went in 2020 from number 81 in the country in net punting to number seven. They literally went from 37.86 yards per punt uh, gained to 43.33. Um, Jeff Banks has to be congratulated on that. That's a big win. I, that's kind of remarkable. I thought that in 2020, they were pretty good at punting. I, I think now, as I recall, they had a few issues early. They got a kick blocked in the Red River shootout. Um, Michael Dixon called out the special teams coaching on Twitter and, a, and then later deleted the tweet. Um, and then after he got, after they got called out in that game, I think it was maybe a point of particular emphasis because the punting was way up for the rest of the year. I think Dicker took over at the end of the year when Bucheski got hurt. And then Dicker was actually even better at the end of the year last year, as I recall. But I have them as being, um, well, I didn't look at punting in particular, but they were 25th in special teams by uh, Brian Fermo's adjusted stats. He's on Football Outsiders. He's got his own site as well and they were 25th overall in just all of special teams and then 11th in 2021 uh sounds like punting is where they picked up a lot of that he did have them fifth in punt return efficiency and fifth in punt coverage efficiency so whether they were returning or covering punts they were they were very good last year yeah they went i mentioned that number 81 in punting net net punting yardage yeah. to yeah. number seven listen to this stat Punt return defense. Okay, this is gonna this is gonna be a stat. In 2020, before Jeff Banks and, and the crew came in uh, for special teams, Texas was number 88 in the country in punt return defense. In 2021, they went up to number 10 according to the NCAA stats. They only Texas only allowed in the punt return game a year ago 40 yards of returns, a total of 40 yards of returns. It, that is a, an astounding figure because literally one big return and that numbers, that numbers doubled. Right. Um, and so I, they definitely did it there. And then I, the only thing about the punt return offense that I wanted to bring up uh, and they did not um, while they did improve punt return offense, they went from number 115 in the country under Tom Herman to number 38 in the country in punt returns last year. The problem I had with the punt return unit wasn't necessarily uh, gaining the extra yards once they caught it. My problem was I felt like they left a lot of yards free on not fielding the open punt. 
and allowed it to, to, to run up on them and, and uh, get extra yardage. But clearly the stats show they did much better in 2021 than they did the year prior. That was a nightmare for them in uh, 29, I think 2019 in particular, they were just awful at fielding punts. Um, that game against Oklahoma State, that was actually the one, one of the only games I've attended live in the last few years in uh, 2019 in Austin. And they they almost gave away a game that they could have won by like 20 points because of uh, punt returns. They fumbled some punts and then they, they eventually Herman was like, just, just don't even touch it. Please just don't fumble it. And then they had some that were just rolling, you know, for years. Um, it's curious that they were so bad. It just seems like something that Herman would have been better at, but they, they weren't. Um, it's, it stands out to me that, um, not only were they significantly improved, although there's that room for improvement that you just mentioned, but they were uh, nationally elite, you would say, last year in a lot of these rankings. So that's quite a that's quite a big jump. I wonder if they had to sacrifice special teams amidst the pandemic offseason last year or something. You know? Yeah, but other people did too. Yes. Right, and so the comparative ranking of that uh, matters, in my opinion. Um, crazy, crazy leap. Yeah, no, it's, it's terrific. I mean, they, they really did move up on, on net punting uh, and punt return efficiency, to your point, I guess is a better term overall. You looked at the, the macro stats for that, that uh, category, and I, um, I thought that was good. The other piece where they really improved, Ian, punt blocking and block kicks. Yeah. Uh, Texas last year blocked five kicks, um, allowed three blocked kicks or punts, so it's a plus two, right? Uh, excuse me, allowed two blocked punts or kicks. So that's a plus three overall for Texas um, between the two. The year prior, the last one under Tom Herman, one they, the team only blocked one punt or kick all season and allowed three for a negative two, right? And so that's that's flipping it basically five five turnovers, so to speak, over a year's time from 2020 to 2021. Uh, another, I think, positive uh, outlook for Jeff Banks and the special teams. It just goes to show the value of a special teams coordination. He took, he picked out Keelan Robinson as this guy is fast. He has time to devote to this because he's, you know, log jammed behind some really good running backs. Um, and he would, uh, he would game plan and scheme weaknesses and protection in the other team's punt coverage. And I, I think the, the, Blocked kicks dried up a little bit over the course of the season, but you have to assume that's probably because uh, Big 12 coaches saw it and they were like, okay, we have to devote real time to special teams this week or Texas is going to steal, you know, seven points on this. And then that just goes to, it goes to help you somewhere else that they can't prepare. Uh, yeah, I think that the, the question I have there, and, and don't forget one of the, one of his blocks got called back against, I think it was Oklahoma State, right? Um, because he was offsides by, or maybe it was West Virginia, I can't remember, but he was offsides by just a hair. And so it, uh, Texas, Texas made some hay there. It'll be interesting to see if they can continue to do the same thing this year. I would think that that's something that's consistent because like, I'm sure we'll talk about this, the punters and the kickers in a minute, maybe in more detail, but um, a lot of that is just taking time to scheme it, having surplus athletes on your team that can specialize and, and devote a little extra time to it. And Texas has, you know, the million dollar man coordinating it and Jeff Banks, who's good at it. 
and is being paid to pay special attention to it. And then they, you know, they're always going to have an abundance of athletes because they're always going to be bringing in. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You know, freshman four and five star skill players at receiver, running back, defensive back that are not going to crack the two deep yet at their positions, but who can devote time to special teams. Like, uh, you know, whichever of these safeties, if, if Brian Allen is not in the two deep, he's probably a starting gunner or a, a, a kick blocker. Yep. I, I tell you what, Ian, as good as the punt game and the kick blocking was, they actually took a step back on kick return and kick return defense a year ago. Um, the Horns went from number 46 in kick return defense to number 20, uh, to number 120. The Horns lost almost seven yards per kick. They went from giving up 19.83 yards in 2020 to 26.1. However, uh, a big caveat to that is this. Cameron Dicker started hitting more balls into the end zone. Uh, I think he ended up with something like 70% of his overall kicks becoming touchbacks. And so they didn't lose uh, on the macro. They didn't lose a lot of yards there uh, on, kick, on kick returns uh, by the opponents. Uh, on kick returns themselves, they were also down. They went down largely. They went from uh, number six in the country. Uh, that's because Deshaun Jameson, I think, popped off a couple of big ones in 2020 uh, down to number 83 uh, in 2021. So the kick, de- uh, the kick return and kick defense, not as good as uh, the year prior, but uh, one or two uh, big plays can, can sway that, as we know. So, you know, that's, as you mentioned before, with the pandemic, that's comparative to the rest of college football. I kind of wonder, I'm just spitballing here, but I kind of wonder if because uh, because Dicker was the punter and the place kicker, everything, I wonder if they just at some point were like, um, hey, Dicker, just put it in the end zone and we can save your practice time for something else. Just kick it hard and in the end zone. And if because of the 25-yard rule, if you're ranking against other teams that are trying to cough and corner it, you're not going to score very well in comparison if you're giving it to the 25 yard line every single time. You're not going to give up any touchdowns either, but I, I wonder if that's part of what's at play there is not that they weren't capable of covering kicks better, but just that they sacrificed there because of uh, they only had one kicker. So okay. they weren't trying to practice time. You said of, of the v- value of practice time there pushed elsewhere. Also directional kicking to your point. I, I can see how that clearly would play a role uh, as well in, in the situation. Um, you know, I, one of the reasons I, I wanted to bring up um, special teams today with you is because that's what Joe Cook got a really good look at in this morning's practice in, in Austin. Um, and in, in reading some of Joe's stuff, uh, it sounded like here are some of the names on the, on the kick kick coverage unit, not necessarily a kick return unit. That's a different group. But the kick coverage unit, uh, Marcus Washington, Keaton Crawford, Maurice Blackwell, Jaron Thompson, Jade Barron, 
uh, all guys that you would kind of, you know, that's, that's what those guys do. Keaton Crawford last year was one of the better coverage guys, period, I thought. Uh, but now he looks like he might be moving into a starting role at free safety, at least highly competing for it. So um, got to think of the guys that are newcomers to the roster. Someone like Brennan Thompson uh, might be a guy since he has so much speed. He could be a safety on, on kick returns. Uh, B.J. Allen, Jaden Gilbo, uh, also possibilities, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just what we were talking about. They have an abundance of, uh, you know, 200-pound guys that can run and hit and tackle. So the, people have said this for a long time. I've always been sympathetic to this. There's really no excuse for a school like Texas to not be dominant in special teams because you have all the athletes you would ever need to devote to it. You can pay a coach extra money. They just haven't. They haven't had that mindset under previous coaches. But, uh, yeah, all these guys absolutely put them to work, right? Yeah. Um, Josh Thompson, you know, the, the, the senior that just left and off the NFL, he was, he, was, he was absolutely terrific on locating punts. Crawford was not as good last year, um, in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's, that's a small, small detail uh, to hit on. It, you look at their personnel overall from their kicking and their deep snap, the hole and punting. Um, what are reasonable expectations, in your opinion? Or is it really just way too early to tell until we actually see these guys perform in front of 100,000 people? Because none of them will have. I mean, whether it's Burt Auburn or Will Stone, it'll be their first punt. It'll be their first real kick. Isaac Pearson, it'll be his first real punt. Lance St. Louis, if he's the deep snatter, it'll be his first deep snap. I mean, that is a – you're talking about – I know people say it's one-third of the game. It's not really one-third of the game. It's more like one-fifth or one-sixth, right? But it is a third phase of the game. And I just wonder just how much that could impact Texas. I mean, they have pieces surrounding those guys to help support them. But what do they really have until they know who's going to be handling the really big chores? Yeah, I mean, I, I assume if they were 11th last year by the overall metrics I looked at, I, I feel like they should be – well, to your point, top 20 or top 30. I think top 25 is realistic just because, you know, everything except your specialists should be better than last year. You're in year two of emphasizing this in your system. You have more kickers. So theoretically, they could be better um, with, you know, multiple specialists rather than one specialist tailoring at all. But then, as far as, you know, how these kickers are going to, how, how Pearson's going to handle, you know, punts, how his level of consistency or, you know, how Bird is going to look when he's got a kick in front of 100,000 people against Alabama. I, I don't yeah, know. No, nobody knows. It's right. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the million dollar question for the million dollar coach to your point. Right. Um, yeah. Any other, uh, any other comments you want to make on, on uh, special teams? Just in, in general, I think that they are taking a very laudable approach just in having banks devoted to it, um, putting a lot of their best athletes on it, using it as a place to, uh, Banks did a clinic last year that we had some notes on where he was using it as a place to emphasize program culture, toughness, figuring out who your real players are, who's who your dogs are on your team. Uh, it seems like they have 
everything in place. We'll see how their specialists do this coming year, but um, it's remarkable that they went five and seven given as well as they played on special teams and the emphasis they put on it. I bet that's really frustrating for them as well. Oh, I, there was one thing that stood out from last year that I noticed. They were 18th in uh, offensive field position by adjusted stats and 90th in defense. So the place where they were getting the ball for their offense to work was very fortuitous for the offense, but the defense was put in really bad spots. Uh, worse even than over half the country. I assume that that is the extremely large number of three and outs they had in a lot of big 12 games that really put the defense behind the eight ball. So that's kind of interesting to, to reflect on as, as much as we harp on the defense, how much they might've looked a lot better if they hadn't had to defeat, to have, haven't had, didn't have to defeat, defend so many short fields um, and face so much time to possession in second halves last year. Kind of an unknown. Question for you. Um, Keelan Robinson, obviously a punt block guy, right? Who's that second guy that people are going to have to pay attention to that can go from zero to 60? Because Keelan Robinson may not be the fastest guy on the team, but he may be the quickest accelerator, right? So the guys that are good at punt block typically are the ones that accelerate extremely quick off the ball and get back there. Is it some guy like maybe Brennan Thompson? Yeah, I mean, Brandon Thompson's obvious because he's so fast. Um, so obviously he has that immediate acceleration you're talking about. I kind of think Jedi Barron might be good at that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's a, uh, you know, Keaton Crawford's awfully fast too. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they landed on. I don't know what the process looked like to land on Keelan last year, but they have a few other guys that seem like they should be good at that as well. Yeah, I almost think that Keelan Robinson had worked with Jeff Banks before. Yeah. And so he knew the game ball game plan. And, and also Jeff Banks knew what he had in Keelan Robinson, right? And so that worked to both of their advantages. It doesn't seem like they should be in any particular hurry to move him out of that role, though. It's not like he's, like he's going to get 200 carries this year unless somebody gets hurt. So No, no, no. My point, I think my point on that was more so who can be in, who can do it in tandem with him so they can't necessarily just focus the oh, right. can't just focus on one guy, right? Oh uh, yeah, that'd be a very good dimension to add. Who was it last year? Do we know? I think it was Keaton Crawford. Yeah, maybe he just maybe in a year or two he's a lot better at it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that I really think that the acceleration aspect um, is what gets punt punt blocks typically. Yeah, there's some bad blocking, you know, the up back whiffs. Uh, picks the wrong guy to block, that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, I'm looking at it, and I think there were almost 50 teams a, a year ago that didn't get a single punt blocked. So punt blocks are not as not as uh, common occurrence as they once were. Uh, so to see Texas actually get four last year and leave one on the, on the field with a penalty, that, that's pretty impressive in my opinion overall. Um, you know, it is it is really akin to a, to like a corner or a nickel or safety blitz. So I wonder then if uh, the guys who are best at that are probably Jedi Barron, Jaron Thompson, um, maybe Anthony Cook. Those are the guys that we've seen have a lot of success in that. So I wonder maybe if one of those guys uh, jumps into that role. 
Baron's the only one of that group that I think has the speed to, to maximize that kind of thing as a punt blocker, not necessarily as a, as a blitzer, because blitzing right. is also about go about getting the guy to the ground uh, as it's well, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, what about return guys on, at, on, at kick return? You think they're going to stick with uh, uh, Deshaun Jameson, Bijan Robinson, maybe mix in Xavier Worthy? Obviously, Xavier Worthy got, got very little work as a kick returner or punt returner last year. Uh, the OU game is what a lot of people will remember when he when he brought it back from like seven or eight yards deep and ran it out and, and fumbled. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think anybody says, oh, Xavier Worthy is the reason they lost that game after he came back and uh, just played so well. So um, what do you – Jameson's, a th- I guess, three- or four-year starter returning his kick returner. Roshan Johnson's getting some kick returns back there. Who do you think they end up landing on? Another Brendan Thompson maybe as well? That, that might be a guy. Jamie, this is another realm for Jameson when it's kind of – this is like this is a contract year for him. You know, he wants to audition – that he's not just a elite athlete who never puts it together. He wants to put it together in as many phases as he can for the NFL. So I would think Jamison would get a chance and then he would make as much of it as he could because he should. He's definitely flashed a lot of ability at it. I think Worthy, from what he's shown, is the best punt returner or kick returner on the team. Um, he needs better ball security. I think he just got excited, you know, in the Red River shootout that's a heck of a spot for a freshman to be in, you know, returning a kick there. And he just wasn't, wasn't careful enough. I would assume he would probably be the best at it just because he's the best. Hardest guy to tackle on the team. Right. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got some sweet moves in the open field. I think. And then he's got the jets to accelerate past it. Right. Sure. I, I sure hope that they give Brennan Thompson a look there in the fall. It seems like they would. It's so stocked. I wonder what they have in mind for, uh, I wonder if Bijan and, and Roshan are back there for uh, blocking, but if they directionally kick it to you, they won't, they may not, they may be sorry kind of roll. Yeah. Well, you can't have the, here's the interesting thing about those double numbers. Bijan and Deshaun Jameson can't be on the field at the same time, unless they switch jerseys. And I don't, I don't know that Texas has ever done that with those two before. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. So it won't be Jameson beside Robinson unless Something all heck breaks loose, I guess. Yeah, I guess, well, I, guess I, would, I would rather have Rashawn there, anyways, honestly. So interesting. I, I love Therapy the way. <laughs> yeah, the thing with it, though, is that I literally, Bijan Robinson in the open field can make a man miss pretty. He's really, really good at it. Um, yeah. another, another question I had for you um, you know, at what point? you mentioned this accumulation of talent mattering in coverage teams, right? Um, at, at what point do you give up speed and quickness and put some bigger guys on the kick, kick coverage teams for blocking? I mean, there's always – Cade Brewer was always on, a, on the kick return team. I'm sure Gunnar Helm or Jatavian Sanders or somebody like that, uh, maybe even Jaleel Billingsley will be on it as well, right? Yeah. You know, I actually, I asked uh, Oklahoma's favorite person, Lincoln Riley, at Big 12 Media Days. He had come from uh, running an air raid at East Carolina to coming to Oklahoma. And uh, Bob Stoops had started with the air raid at Oklahoma as well, and then gradually included more 
fullbacks and tight ends into his offense. Lincoln Riley comes to Oklahoma, immediately includes fullbacks and tight ends in his offense because they were on hand. I asked him about that, and he said that he had come to really value it in part because it gave you a lot more mid-sized guys to stack on your special teams. It's like you always have this need for these guys that can do multiple things, you know, 230 to 260 pounds, can run a little bit, a little bit of change of direction, know how to block, beat blocks, you know, all those types of things that are, you know, basic football building blocks, you know, role player 101 kind of stuff. And uh, the more tight ends, fullbacks, and linebackers you have on your team, the deeper your well is. I think probably tight end in particular because of the, what you just said, like Brewer, they needed him out there because you need somebody who can block for the punt, punter. You know, you need somebody that can, uh, it's almost like, um, it's probably not that far removed from being like a running back or a removed tight end and pass protection. So they are definitely accumulating guys there that can do that. Uh, Jaden Hullaby, right? Hullaby may be doing this. Um, Cross-training and running back will certainly help him there. Juan Davis, B- Billingsley, I guess, uh, Gunnar Helm, Jatavian Sanders. They're, they definitely have a lot more guys like that in the mix as well, which could only stand to help them overall on special teams. Gotcha. You, you agree with the, the case that it looks like right now, I mean, I, I don't know of anybody else that can, can uh, Bert Auburn, uh, Will Stone at kicker, and then Isaac Pearson at at, uh, at punter, although Will Stone does punt also. Superficially, I kind of like the idea of the kid with big hair as the kicker. <laughs> that's all, that's Bert Auburn. Yeah, the afro. <laughs> he basically has the afro. Yeah, sideshow Bert. Yeah, <laughs> I, especially if the other option is a kid from Regents. Just what I know of Regents is not that it not a high pressure, you know, kind of. Maybe he's great. I don't know. But on on the most superficial basis, I would like to see I'd like to see sideshow Bert in the big <laughs> the big field goal moments. Okay, I'll we'll leave it on that non-serious note there just for, for you today. All right, uh, talk with Ian Boyd of Inside Texas, our X's and O's guys. We talked special teams today. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, by the way, we talk uh, and write about uh, University of Texas athletics and recruiting every day on InsideTexas.com. Right now, we have a special offer. For a special introductory offer for people that have never tried us before. $1 for four months. We'd love for you to join us and give us a chance. Uh, also, thank you all for watching these videos. We appreciate it. Uh, and everybody else, uh, I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back again tomorrow. Thanks. Bye. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.